everyone. Today I wanted to share with you a segment of the online course that I created, Foundations in Anatomy and Body Science for Yoga Teachers. Now this is a 10-hour online course and it's the first segment that I do in the 30-hour segment that goes into our 200-hour yoga teacher training. And I wanted to take this information and put it online because I feel like a lot of people struggle with the anatomy portion in their yoga training and it can be helpful to go back and watch it over and over and really absorb the terminology and get comfortable with all the information because that's how we start to build on that foundation and create a really solid understanding of our body and how it interacts with this practice of yoga. So I hope you find this segment to be helpful and I'll put a link in the description below if you want to check out the full course. Moving on to this whole other section where we're actually going to start to talk about the terminology for movement, how we talk specifically about the way that different parts of the body move. And we're going to start from the top and work down. I always like to do it this way. I think it just makes more sense. And for this section, let me just go back for one second. We're going to talk about the neck the shoulder blade and the shoulder joint. So sometimes throughout this lecture, I'm going to say some terms that we haven't covered yet. And again, it's that learning through osmosis. Don't panic if we haven't gone over the term yet. I'll usually say both terms. So I would say like neck and cervical spine so that you start to get more familiar and just kind of hear the terms so that it's easier to absorb later on. The first one that we're going to start with is the neck or the cervical spine, this portion of the body. So when we're talking about movement on the sagittal plane right here, it would be flexion and extension. And then when we go to the frontal plane, it's lateral flexion and we have that in both directions. So we would say lateral flexion to the left or to the right depending on which way the head is moving. And then that transverse plane, the rotation plane, we have cervical or neck rotation to the left and to the right. So what yoga poses do we see these movements in? Neck flexion, a lot of times in forward folds, we're going to go into neck flexion. And a lot of times in back bending, you're going to see that neck extension and then, so lateral flexion is one of those things that we don't do a ton of in the traditional yoga poses, but a lot of times as like a warm-up movement, we will do some stretching into lateral flexion. But here you can see I'm doing a side bend, and there is a little bit of the neck just kind of following me into the movement. So we get a little bit of lateral flexion there. And then warrior two, so when you have the arms out, and you do that gaze right over the front finger, there's a good amount of neck rotation in that. So then the neck does these kind of different movements that the other parts of the body won't do. We have cervical protraction and retraction. I'll show you from the side. So protraction, retraction. And you can see my pictures there from the side view, protraction, forward, retraction, back. 
But this is something that I really like to do with the wall because if we have the back of the body resting against the wall and then we start to retract the head and create pressure from the back of the skull into the wall, you really get a sense of how to do that. And forward head posture, the head floating out in front of the shoulders is such an issue nowadays that I really like to address that ability to retract. So then the neck can also create a very circular movement and we call those circular movements in the body circumduction. I don't always love doing circumduction in a full circle with the neck because it can get a little pinchy and sometimes you can aggravate things. There's nothing wrong with it, but I tend to do kind of half circumduction, a half circle forward, and then a half circle backwards. And I find that my neck agrees better with that. For a lot of students, that half circle forward and back just gives you more control, so the movement is better tolerated. So now we go down to the shoulder blade that lives on the posterior side of our rib cage. It's just planted onto the back of our rib cage. And in anatomy terms, we would call it your scapula. So the scapula does this elevation and depression where the shoulder blade is literally just sliding up and down on the surface of the rib cage. Really um, a very neat area of contact in the body. So we shrug, like, I don't know, and then we can depress. While you're doing that movement back and forth, kind of notice, get my hair out of the way, notice how we can go up really high toward the ears and then you can relax down, but then you can pull down just a little bit more. That's full depression when you squeeze your shoulder blades down. And I like to think of that as a process of lengthening your neck. And that's, that's an important movement because a lot of people have weakness in the muscles that do depression of the shoulder blade. Okay, we can also protract and retract the shoulder blade retract, retract. And I'm keeping my rib cage and my spine really still and it's just the shoulder blades sliding out around my rib cage and then sliding back toward the spine like that. And then we have upward and downward rotation of the scapula. So this is like a sliding up and down that happens when we lift the arms up overhead. This is one of the magical things that happens in the upper body that allows us this huge range of motion with our shoulders. If the shoulder blade does not follow the arm, we would not be able to move our arm nearly as much as we can. So it's this upward and downward rotation of the scapula that makes our arm range of motion possible. So where do we see this? Here's protraction and retraction. On the top when I'm pushing into the wall, very often when we go into a plank position, we are going to protract the shoulders to really hug them around the rib cage and to activate some of the muscles that hold the scapula on the rib cage with good contact. Also here, as I'm doing like a little eagle prep, with the arms together, I am pushing my shoulder blades forward around the rib cage, so there's some protraction there. 
And then the next one where I'm holding this block and I start to pull back. So I'm trying to activate more of the muscles in the back of my body with some scapular retraction. You just have to be careful that you don't confuse scapular retraction for a change of position in the spine. Sometimes when we are too tight in the front of the body and we're trying to pull back and it's not really happening, we just arch the spine instead and it kind of looks like we did the movement but it didn't actually happen. So keep that in mind. I'll talk later about how to distinguish between those two that sometimes get confusing. All right, so the actual shoulder joint, the glenohumeral joint, has this movement on the sagittal plane. So flexion, and then we go down toward extension behind the body, extension. All happening on the sagittal plane. And then when I switch over to the frontal plane or the coronal plane, going out to the sides and up, and down. So that would be shoulder abduction, taking it away from the center line, and then shoulder adduction, ADDduction, coming back toward the center, adding to the body. Two movements that we do a ton in yoga because we do sun breaths and all of these different vinyasas where we're breathing and moving our arms. And then we also have a lot of yoga poses that utilize these two movements. So high lunge, we do so much reaching straight up overhead into shoulder flexion. Warrior two, we have the arms at 90 degrees of abduction. Reverse table is a very strong shoulder extension. The arms are back behind the body, like almost 90 degrees. It's a lot of shoulder extension. And then one of my favorite posture movements that I teach people is this elbow plank where you are driving your elbows back into the wall and you end up with some extension at the shoulder. You're reaching the arm back. All right, so not so bad so far, right? When we start to go into the transverse plane, this is where things get a little bit confusing. Okay, so shoulder joint rotation on the transverse plane, rotation. Rotation happens on this plane. The reason this gets confusing with the arms is because the arms can be at our sides, they can be out, or they can be up overhead, and it looks very different when we're rotating on any of those three positions. But if we start with the arms down, like this, I'm going to move from my shoulder and internally rotate and then externally rotate. Internal and external. Okay, so then I can switch and have my arms out to the sides and then I'm going to bend my elbows. Internal rotation, you can feel the shoulder rolling in and then external rotation is that cactus position that we really like. Internal, I call this the puppet, like somebody let go of the strings, and then the cactus. Okay, so then the hands can come to the back of the head as well, so that's external rotation, because I've rolled the head of the shoulder back, and then I'm going to switch and bring my hands 
behind my lower back and that's internal rotation because now the shoulder is rolled in like that. External and internal. When we're thinking about that rotation, it's the ball and socket joint. So I'm just going to show you a picture of that joint. If you're not familiar with it, there's the ball and socket. And what you're trying to visualize is this part, it's the end of our humerus, that long upper arm bone, is rolling in or out, in or out. And sometimes our arm is up at the angle like that, or sometimes it's up at an angle like that, but it's still rolling in and out for that internal or external rotation. That's the visual that you're trying to create in your head. And I always see students getting really confused with this particular understanding of, well, is it internal or is it external? Because it really changes and feels different when the arms are in different positions. So always come back down to anatomical position and think, okay, is the head of the humerus rolling in or is it rolling out? When I go up overhead, it's rolling out. When I reach behind my back to tuck my shirt in, the head of the humerus rolls in. Don't confuse what's happening at the head of the humerus with what's happening at the shoulder blade. They're connected, but they're not exactly the same thing. So you have to kind of think what's happening at those two structures as different. All right, examples of rotation external rotation on the top here, I'm opening like that, external rotation in goddess, and then cactus arms in a lunge. So then internal rotation, the hands behind the back in child's pose, that kind of classic bind where we take an arm and swing it behind the back, and then a slightly more creative and interesting internal rotation. I'm down in a malasana squat, a deep squat, and then I have tucked the hands in toward each other. So I'm getting a really nice stretch in the rotator muscles. Love that one. All right, so then that triplanar movement that we were talking about, shoulder extension, abduction, and internal rotation is what we get when we do this reverse, reverse prayer. So movement on all three planes, the sagittal, the coronal, and the transverse. Now the shoulder is very mobile, so we have this rather unusual movement that it does that none of our other joints do, and that's horizontal adduction and abduction. So horizontal adduction, I come all the way into the front and then I slide like I'm sliding on a tabletop to go all the way back. Horizontal adduction and abduction only happens in the shoulders. We use that a lot. Um, I like to do what I call prana vinyasa, where we open the arms back on an inhale and then exhale, pull toward the center. So that's a really good way to incorporate that into your practice. And here's a picture for your yoga practice. When you inhale and the arms go out to the sides, horizontal abduction, take it away. And then when you go into eagle pose, that pulling in and crossing the midline is horizontal adduction, adding to the middle. So we'll go over a practice to really 
own those movements in our body, and then we're going to talk about elbow, wrist, and hand. Thank you.